Welcome in to the From the Loop podcast, live from One East Jackson in the Ready to Paul Sports Loop Studio. I'm Tim Stebbins with Matt Melamsetter. How are you doing today, Matt? I'm doing good. I'm all caffeinated up. I'm I feeling rejuvenated. Well. How was your coffee? You get some sips on the break? So we do a radio show right before this, um, so we take about five minutes. Tim, do you recaffeinate in your five minutes? I sippy sippied on some of it for sure. You know what? I gotta stop. I, what did what? Hold sippy, on. Sippy sippy, drinky hold on, hold on. drinky. Yeah, no. What will you? What? I took some sips of my cold brew. Okay, there we go. <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, before this episode, actually, we had a discussion, and Tim said he's gonna make sure that he uses a manlier voice for this episode. So I didn't mean manly. I meant not childlike. Not not to be like stereotyping. Like sure, could that? But like not sound like a kid. More like talking normal, like a grown adult, which I am because I didn't last week. Tim. Hello. Stabbing. Oh, used to do it all the time. That was funny. It was awesome content. Um. So. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> this is the From the Loop podcast where we have a key of the week and we discuss that at length. And then we have four topics which we hit at a, a quicker pace but still go in depth on. This is how our podcast works for first time listeners. Thank you for uh, laying that all out. So can we get to the key of the week? Get to the key week. We're on track now. We're on the boat. We're on the ship. We're, we're rolling. Yeah, the ship has set sail in its podcasting time. Tim, Great here's our key. It's about the G League, the NBA's developmental league. It used to be called the D League, but now it's the G League. They are they've decided to offer contracts worth one hundred twenty-five thousand dollars for five months to uh, quotations around elite uh, high school prospects. Um, what do you think about this? Well, for keeping it local, DePaul, in August there was a report that Rick Pitino came out and said, former Louisville head coach, that mm-hmm. DePaul offered to pay prospect Brian Bowen two hundred grand to play at DePaul. Okay. So, okay, these guys are, I get it you want to attack at DePaul, but like let's not attack DePaul. I'm saying <laughs> I'm saying that they're trying they wanted these kids are all getting paid under the undercover that we sure. don't know about, or sure, they're sure, getting sure. offered to get paid. Right. So this G League's a good opportunity for those people who would rather take the money because yeah. they need to help their families. $125,000 for five months? Pretty good money. That's like more than, I can't do math. What is that? Twenty five grand a month? I mean, sign like me up. Yeah, sign me up. Um, so on average, G League contracts are worth $35,000. Um, the average age of a G League player is 25 years old. So these would be high school athletes, um, typically guys who would be considered uh, one and duns or guys who go to... Uh, college for one year, played one year of college basketball, um, and move on to the NBA. Uh, do you think this is like a viable option? Not uh, finan- not just financially, because financially it obviously is a viable option, um, even if they're making a little bit less than they would be in college basketball under the table. Um, do you think this is an option we're going to see high school athletes take? I think it's better than the LeVar Ball League, sure. which is like also paying kids. This is... This is the NBA's minor league. Yeah. I would, if I'm those kids, wow, I, LeVar Ball League, I would not consider LeVar Ball's league. But this sure. one, I'm like actually debating whether I should do this because if you're good enough yeah. and you go to the G League, yeah, you're going to be sacrificing, you know, five star hotels. Sure. You're, on, you're on bus ro- You're on bus trips. You're on bad flights. You're not yeah. the man on campus, but you're getting paid and you're in a legitimate t- uh, funnel, I guess you could say, yeah. to the show. Yeah. The NBA. If you're good enough, you can either go to college for the year, which might be eradicated in a couple years anyway. Yeah, I mean, by 2022. It'll be done by 2022 is the idea. So if I'm these kids, either I'm, okay, if that's going to be the case, how many kids in 2022 on are just going to skip out of high school and go pro? Probably a lot. 
Sure. More than now, obviously. Yeah, uh, more than now, I would say less than 20 per year, probably. Okay, so a good amount of, a decent amount of elite recruits yeah. for what they would be doing skipping college will choose the route to go to mm-hmm. NBA out of high school. If that's what these kids might be doing anyway down the road, yeah. oh, I'm taking this G League route easily. Yeah. 125000 for five months yeah. to play and get better experience than, yeah, college is fun, but how many times do we hear stories of, oh, they had to adjust to the NBA because it's a grown man's game? Yeah. G League, G, G League, G League can prepare you really well for that. Yeah. My worry with them going to the G League is that they are children going into a grown men's game. I mean, these are 18, 19 year old kids. Entering a league where the average age is 25, and these are guys that have been in like professional level strength training programs for a few years now. These are not only the cream of the crop of college basketball when they were playing, they are also grown men who have fully developed. I mean, these 18 and 19 year old kids, they're developed, but they're going to fill out their bodies in the next few years. They'll stop growing at 25. Um, but I think strength training is the biggest thing to me. I mean, those guys are going to be playing bully ball, and also there's the uh, the fact that the kids will be making like four times as much as the grown men in this league. And also, they're playing guys who are fighting for their basketball yeah. lives for yeah. all intents and purposes. So I think there's going to be some chips on these guys' shoulders who have been in the G League fighting for their basketball lives against. They're saying, "Wow, these kids are getting paid hundred grand." This kid more walks than me. in, gets yeah. paid hundred grand more than me. They're going to be they're going to be playing harder than they obviously already are to save their basketball careers. Yeah. Also, it's, I, it's, it's, it's tough for these kids to walk in. I almost question how they did it back in like the two thousands, where like Kevin Garnett went right out of high school. It's like, wow, how how did they do it back then? Because there was a lot of failures. That is true. Kwame Brown. Is there? There was a lot of busts. Like a lot of guys who came out of high school and were just not ready either physically or mentally. That's why I worry about that. Um, and so the big thing for me is like they won't be physically or mentally ready to go into the NBA, and so. The G League kind of offers a way to, A, dumb down your ego and play in a basketball-focused league, but you're playing against people that are a lot more developed than you. And so I think that's why college should stay kind of the better option. Um, And also I see a number of issues with, like, unfair advantages being given to teams getting elite prospects through this route. I mean, these guys essentially after the G League would be able to then declare for the NBA draft and be drafted by any team. They would not be just picked up by the G League affiliate of the team they played for in the G League. However, they were still in the programs of that NBA team's affiliate. So that NBA team's going to have much more detailed scouting report on these guys, Um, not just like from their basketball quality standpoint, but from a, a work ethic standpoint from a personality standpoint, from a team chemistry standpoint, from how they mesh w- with coaching staffs, all of that. One team's going to know that, and 29 other teams will not know that. Because the G League has really expanded in the last five years where yeah. almost every team has their own affiliate now. Mm-hmm. They used to share, and it's almost like if I'm a bad team, no offense to, let's say, the Nets, if I had like this top prospect that skipped Duke to play for my yeah. G League team, yeah. and then they get drafted by another bad team like the Suns are growing, but the Suns in a yeah, year. Yeah, sure. I'd be kind of mad. I'd be like, yeah. this guy was in our system. We, we why spent we a year him? developing. Yeah, and it's a lot of G League guys like Tyler Ulis, who the Bulls just picked up from the Good Warriors. Good pickup. Great pickup. He's a local guy. He's on. They flipped his contract from a one-way to a two-way. Yeah. So this guy can go from the G League up, but all of a sudden these elite kids, they can't do that yeah. for a year. And you have, what if they're NBA ready? Some, like we said, aren't, but what if this kid is? But like a Ben Simmons, LeBron James type comes out. Yeah, and, and he, he next can help your year. team comes out 
and he's ready to play in the NBA from day one. He can help your team, but you can't bring him up. He's stuck in the G League dominating against G Leaguers. And then you're going to probably lose him next year. Yep, and then he's gone the next year. Unless you can get a top-level pick. Yeah, and Woj said these kids would be better off just training separately. I I don't know about that because you're not getting basketball experience. He's like, they'd be overwhelmed, but... How much, like, I almost look down. I, I, this is my order. I'd rather see you go play NCAA, then this new option, then go train on your own. Because training on your own, you're not playing competitive basketball. Yeah, you're just I, practicing. We saw that with Thon Maker for a few years. And what do we get out of that is that Thon Maker wasn't prepared. He's just practicing with a real trainer. I get that he's building up his ball skills and stuff. I get that these guys working with the trainer in a private setting are developing certain skills that they wouldn't be able to work on every single day. If their goal is to win games, they might have to focus on just their post game. They can't expand their shooting or something. If they have class or something to, that they have sure, to focus on. Sure, sure. Uh, but at the end of the day, what is so important is this like on-court experience and getting used to uh, the speed of the game. I mean, the speed of the game jumps so much from college basketball to the NBA because it's not just athleticism. It's that guys are so much smarter. Guys know when lanes are going to open. There's so much more anticipation passing. There's so The speed of the game doesn't translate. And so jumping from high school to NBA with just a year of personal training won't cut it. It's almost like each option has its all downfall. Like if you're going sure. to one and done, okay, so you're not taking college that serious for a yeah. year. And you're, you're part of the downfall of the NCAA basketball. Yeah, and you're, you're hurting a program by leaving after a year. So that's not mm. – then you have this G League where you're playing against grown men and you might struggle even though you're getting paid a lot. And then you have the training option where you're not playing competitive basketball. And, yeah, you can build your body, but then you're not even getting a year of competitive basketball experience at a mm-hmm. high level. And you're not even going – like, I know this sounds dumb. This can sound really dumb, but – College for one year, you're becoming a smarter person. Whether you yeah. think it's you're learning, yeah. you're not gonna learn. You're just gonna quit school. Like I'd rather see you go to school than train. And yeah. If you're if you're not in if you're not uh, going to school, then at least you're learning on the court. Yeah, playing people, not just playing in practice. Well, I I think you're on the right path with like you're learning more. Is I mean you're becoming a more well-rounded individual who uh, can offer more than just being good at basketball. But I think uh, perhaps more importantly is that these guys would be able to. Uh, learn how to manage their time when stacked with an entirely full schedule. True. I mean, the idea of a student athlete in like college basketball is a huge chunk of your time going to basketball, but you also still have to work in classes, and you still have to take these credits, like you're on pace to graduate, and you still have to keep above a certain grade point average. And uh, I know some cla- some schools like do like fake classes, <laughs> like uh, North Carolina and stuff, but for the most part. They're taking real classes, and they're in real classes with real students, uh, meeting other students who are not just athletes, and developing kind of a circle outside of just sports, and learning things outside of just sports, and learning how to manage your time. Life skills. And be good in real life, and not just at basketball. And I think that's really important, way more important than developing basketball skills in the G League or on your own with a personal trainer. It's definitely, it's not even just on court, it's off the court, like you said. It's, I think, primarily off the court stuff. Definitely. Uh, do you want to move on to the next topic? Absolutely, Tim. Alright, next topic is, now we're off our key to the week. Four things you should know. First one, Manny Machado was fined an undisclosed amount. So NBA, excuse, NBA, wow. MLB thought this incident was worthy of a fine of some sort. He ran on the first baseline on a routine ground ball to shortstop. He ran on the inside part of the base not the outside where runners usually run, and he purposely looked like he kicked Jesus Aguilar, Brewer's first baseman, 
Uh, what are your thoughts on this? Is it a big deal? Should he have been fined? What do you think? I think it's ridiculous. I think it's so completely ridiculous. Look, Aguilar was on the base. Um, Manny did not spike him. <laughs> Manny brought his left leg across Aguilar's leg, and Aguilar flopped all over the place like a dead fish. I think, I think it's so ridiculous that Manny got fined. When you told me that Manny got fined, when I took a look at this, the drive sheet, the, the note sheet that we use for this podcast, I was like, wait, are you serious? He got fined. Because um, it's just nothing. What do you think, Tim? It's, it's his history, as we talked sure. about on our radio show, Ready to Pulse Sports, which is 530 to 630 every Thursday here on com or our Google Play or Android app or Apple app. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Shameless plug. Um, we talked about his past incidents, which probably didn't work in his favor here. Sure. Uh, one game against the Oakland A's, he swung through a pitch that was about to hit him, so he could have just got a ball called on him. Instead, he swung at it last minute and whipped his bat and almost hit the third baseman on the A's. Uh, which was Josh Donaldson at the time, who the day before slapped a hard tag on him. And he was this guy's a star, so you're almost hurting a star despite that hard tag. Um, he slid hard into Dustin Pedroia of the Red Sox in 2017, I believe, last year. Yeah. Hurt Pedroia, he slid it. The new slide rule, which I don't want to get into too much, just too much mm-hmm. side topic, but he slid into two Brewers, and that's illegal now into second base. Yeah. And then he does this. I, I think the fine might just be from, I don't know if they do this in baseball like other sports, but from previous incidents, his sure. reputation. Sure. Hockey, NFL, they do yeah. that. Um, I do think Aguilar, and this sounds dumb from us you know, in Chicago with the – you know, Javier Baez flair that he has in sure, the field. Sure, Aguilar does play with some flair, and he stood on the base and just like a statue after catching it for a couple seconds, and Machado clipped him. Machado probably saw that as he's running down the line. Yeah. He was running on the inside part of the base, but he probably saw that and was like, uh, no. And Get off he, the base. Then he clipped Get him. Get off the base. I mean, the fr- literally, the first I, I've... The first thing you're taught is get off the base, especially on is catch plays. the ball and get off the base. Yeah, because you should plays. not take up anything other that you should have your heel on the the bottom left corner of the base, and that's it. It's weird because it's not like it was one of those plays where he was fielding or putting catching at a weird angle where he had nope. to cover the base. He was ready. He just you put your foot on the side of the base, you reach out, extend, and catch it. He yep. was on top of it, which I see a lot of big leaguers do, which is bad form. Which is weird. It, no, it's it's <laughs> terrible form, and it's how you get hurt. It's how guys who are running hard down the line look up at the last moment, see your foot on the bag, and accidentally cleat you. What? Manny didn't cleat him. Manny dragged his foot across Aguilar's back foot as if to say, "Get off the base. Next time, I'm going to cleat you. And Next time, I won't it. see it." It's a terrible decision to find Manny Machado for this. I heard some places, oh, he could have broke his ankle, but imagine yep. someone just—it's not like he, he could have broke ra- his ankle if he stomped on it. And he didn't kick him hard. It's like he, it wasn't like a razor scooter to the ankle. It no. was just it, a little tap. It, it didn't even look like he kicked him. It, lo- it didn't look like he put any force behind his left leg. It looks like he drags his left leg across Aguilar's ankle. I think it was just the unexpected nature of it. That's why Aguilar reacted the way he did, mm-hmm. and it probably surprised him. Shouldn't be unexpected if, you're, if your foot's on the leg like that. Tim, can we go to the next one? Let's move on. The Astros were caught cheating with a guy about our age, apparently. His name is Caleb McLaughlin. Um, the guy was warned. I think the Indians warned the Red Sox. Indians played the Astros in the AL Division Series. A guy who just takes photos and videos of the Red Sox dugout. He's hired by the Astros to do yeah. this. The Astros said, we're not cheating. We're doing it to uh, make sure they're not cheating. What do you think about that? It sounds ridiculous. <laughs> I think that's the funniest. It, it's, that's the funniest excuse. It's like, it's like when Trump says no collusion. It's like, no, we can all see it. It's right there. It's right in the face. We know what you're doing. Don't lie to us, Houston. 
the Astros GM, uh, actually president of baseball ops, he got promoted, Jeff Luno, said, we were playing defense, we were not playing offense, we want to make sure it's an even playing field. But at the same time, you are playing offense. <laughs> it's like how offense turned into defense. They were sure. on the offensive yeah. to defend to them. people that were cheating. Yeah, it's like, oh, we're going to record, which is a power. Can't do it. The MLB has people that are literally doing that all of the time, watching for people to cheat. The MLB, in their statement, was like, hey, next time, maybe just let us know that you're worried about it. Correct. Right? And it's like, unlike Machado, I was going to say they didn't get punished. The MLB, yeah. like you said, was just like, we could hire someone for you to stand in their dugout to make sure they're not cheating, which is, I think they were cheating, and I think this was a great way to get out of getting yeah. in trouble. MLB could have got them in trouble despite this poor mm-hmm. excuse, but what a what a weird time with technology. Instead of binoculars like in the 90s, we have smartphones to do catch yeah. everything, and you have people, cameras everywhere to catch everything you do, yeah. too. Uh, is everybody cheating, Tim? That's my next question. I would be shocked if people weren't cheating, honestly. Wow. I mean, yeah. like, not, not the cheating right. like Bill Belichick recording someone to practice, yeah. but <laughs> sign stealing at the very least, that happens everywhere. Come yeah. on. No, it happens everywhere at every single level. Even if you're just standing on second looking at the catcher. Yep, you're stealing. You're finding a way to steal signs and tip them off to your guy. Um, next, number three, Tim. The NFL owners are very concerned about the Los Angeles Chargers. I would be, too. <laughs> yeah, no, they should be. Everybody should be concerned about the Los Angeles Chargers. So the NFL um, kind of works off of a revenue-sharing uh, method, which is why the owners are concerned about the Chargers. Uh, the Chargers dropped their expected earnings from their new stadium, uh, which will be built in a few years in Inglewood, California. Opening in 2020. Opening in 2020. Um, from $400 million in their initial season to $150 million in their initial season. Um, that's a big drop. That's a big drop and a big correction from their original price point, the original uh, like revenue point. Uh, what do you have to make of this? I think they are reaping what they sowed. They yeah. moved to L.A. to move into the stadium. They're going to share it with the L.A. Rams mm-hmm. who played there, moved to St. Louis, and moved back. Um I don't know, like, you, you move there because the owner of the Chargers, when they were in San Diego, wanted the city of San Diego to pay for the stadium. They were like, no, we're not going to do that. That's a lot of money. Yeah. They moved, and they moved into a soccer field, of all things. Which yeah, is Qualcomm. No, not Qualcomm Stadium anymore. That was San Diego. That was San yeah. Diego. You're right. Um, it's, it holds 26,000 seats, right? Like, Sure. I, I always thought it was 35,000, but really, when you get down to 9,000 like that, it doesn't really matter. Uh, StubHub Center is what it's called. Stub Home of the Center. Galaxy. LA Galaxy. LA Galaxy. Um, they weren't, they're not selling this stadium out to begin with, but no. when people do show up, it's always, let's say a Chargers against a well, Chiefs game. It's so yeah. much red in the crowd for Chiefs yep. fans. They're not, oh, you want to, let's, it's November and we're in the Midwest. Let's take a trip to San Diego to see the Chiefs. That's not a sustainable business model for a football team. You no. can't consist off of sales to the opposing team. I mean, and I, and I get it when you're a team that has strived to be as mediocre as possible for the last uh, 15 years, like the Chargers have. Um, but you can't like consistently make money that way. That's not how it works. And when the NFL is a, is a league that shares revenue, uh, the other owners are going to get mad at that too. I think they should move back to San Diego. And a lot of, they made a lot of San Diego fans mad by leaving. But guess what? There's a lot of chart our Raiders fans in the area that were their division rivals. Yeah. And still are. Yep. And they're like, hey, we hate the Chargers, and now they're even closer to us. Like, I don't. Yeah, it just it wasn't um, gonna work. It did. They should not closer, but still, they didn't do their research. Yeah, I mean, Los Angeles is it's difficult to support two NFL teams. Los Angeles, Los Angeles is not a great football city. Um, They were bad last year, weren't they? They weren't. They had like a. It wasn't like they. It wasn't like the team's bad because it's a playoff team now. It should be a playoff team, but last year they struggled in the first year. There that did not help. Yeah, 
Um, so, number four, Tim, can you cover this? Last topic here. We are moving to last night in the game four of the division series. Uh, Mookie Betts reached up on a ball hit that was by Jose Altuve. Yep. It was a two-run home run. This is a ball that, okay, it sounds dumb to say, but if Mookie Betts isn't in the outfield, that ball is clearing the wall easily. Yeah. So if it's batting practice, yeah. it's a home run. And the fans, it was called fan interference on the field and after review, mm-hmm. not because the fans reached over the wall. I'm showing you imaginary wall here. Great podcasting. Um, but because the fans were in the crowd trying to catch the ball so it wouldn't drill them in the chest. Yeah. And Mookie Betts, the uh, Red Sox right fielder, reached over the wall. His glove was touched by the f- uh, fan, and mm-hmm. it closed so he couldn't catch it. And this is like backwards interference because sure. they didn't reach on the field. They were just trying to protect their chest from getting drilled by yeah. a hard-hit ball. Yeah, they're not getting paid $5 million to play catcher or to play third baseman and body it up. They're, they paid $2,000 to go to the game. Uh, they're going to try and protect themselves. What's the solution to this, Tim? We've seen this a few, this kind of thing a few times. What's the solution to this? Well, we've talked about it before. This the 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 wall is it's not deep in terms of distance, and it's not yeah. high because Mookie Betts reached up. He was going to catch that ball. Like, yeah, it was over. It was going to be a home run, as I said, but it was going to be caught yeah. if the fans aren't there, which just sounds dumb to say too. Um, the, the solution is the fans shouldn't be right in the wall. Yeah, maybe they, that's a great idea. They are literally like if I'm sitting against the table in general, so anyone at home can imagine this. Like, I can easily reach over the table right now. Sure. That's like them. They are on the wall where, wow, if I put my arm extend out, not I'm not extending it far. I am over the fence. Yeah, you're in the into field. The, f- the field of play. They're way too close in yeah. right field, which is weird because their ballpark has that those weird little windows where it's like in the left center field gap. Mm-hmm. It's like a high wall, and yeah. that's the only part where you could hit a ball into out of the park, quote unquote. Yeah. It's a really weird ballpark. And look what happens. Oh, I'm so surprised that this weirdly constructed ballpark has fan interference happen mm-hmm. on a play that really isn't fan interference. Yeah. I think solution is something like Wrigley's uh, net or maybe getting rid of the entire first row. Um, games at the Metrodome in Minneapolis used to ban oh. sitting in the first two rows in the outfield. Smart. Um, same with uh, Tampa Bay as well. I think uh, I feel like the Marlins did that in their f- football field. That's now the Dolphins. I was going to say I don't think it matters though because no one <laughs> there's 300 people at those games. <laughs> Maybe that's so, what I'm thinking of. Those empty yeah. seats were that. Yeah, the empty seats were that no one went to the games. Um, <laughs> all right, that's it. That's this all is, we got. Yeah, this has uh, been the fourth episode of the From the Loop podcast. Check us out anywhere you get your podcast, except Apple Podcasts because they're being a little difficult, not adding us yet. But Spotify and Google Play and SoundCloud even and Anchor FM, Anchor FM, it's a just great look podcast it up. hosting service. You you recommended it. And I you recommend were so right. Yeah, we use it for uh, Cheese Sets of Chicago Land, my podcast with uh, Mike Fleischman that we do here from Radio to Ball Sports. Um, That's usually released the day after a game, correct? Yeah. Packers game. Yep. Tune into that. Tune into this podcast. Tune into the Radio to Paul podcasts. Tune into tune, tune into anything on Radio to Paul Sports. It's a fantastic sports radio site we do some wonderful programming at pretty much all times of the day yeah we do monday we have we have live game coverage even just support us college yeah. college radio podcasting. college radio it's it college radio college journalism make sure to support your local college kids um tim you got anything to add before we dip out of here that is all thank you for listening to episode four of the from the loop podcast we'll be back next week and we're on air thursday and ready to pull support from 5 30 to 6 30 see you